Good morning, church. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Got to eat a ton of good food. Thanksgiving is for sure uh, probably one of my top three favorite holidays. So Christmas, obviously, number one for sure. But um, yeah, good morning. I'm super pumped that we just have this time together in the Word this morning um, to start off this past month, really, uh, this whole past month, I got to do something pretty interesting, pretty unique, pretty odd. Um, some of you may lose some respect for me after I say this, but it's going to make me sound pretty weird. Not many people uh, do this, but this whole past month, um, I've spent time studying and learning about sheep, about sheep. I've literally been carving time out of my day to learn about sheep. Um, But also not just sheep, I've been learning about shepherds as well. Uh, What a shepherd actually does, what a shepherd's rod and staff are for, right? What sheep ranching is like, this, that, and the other. And it it is fascinating. And I started these studies because, to be honest, um, in October there was a stint, there was about a few weeks period where I was just having a a tough time. I was having a rough time, and as you guys all know, uh, life is hard. You know, life is hard. I I, I think it's safe to say and assume that we all have, in some areas, some periods of time, have had tough weeks, tough days, tough months even. And so when I was going through that time in October, I, I just turned to the only place I knew that I could find hope and truth in life, and that was, that was in Jesus. That was in my Savior and looking at what the Word says. And so I needed some encouragement, and so I looked to that. And so this morning, we're going to look at two of the I Am statements that Jesus proclaimed and made about himself that pertain to us being regarded as sheep and Jesus being the door and the good shepherd. That Jesus is the door to life and he is the shepherd of your life. And so my prayer for this morning, this text, is that it encourages you guys, that it is comforting to a lot of you guys. And as Psalm 23 says, that this text just restores your soul. And so if you have your Bible, I encourage you guys to turn to John 10. That's where we're going to be today. John 10, we'll start in verse 1. Uh, and we'll go through verse 1 through 21. John 10, 1 through 21. And if you do not have a Bible, uh, there should be one underneath your seats for you guys to keep if you do not have a Bible of your own. Uh, but before we deep dive into the text... Just a brief synopsis of what this book is all about, what the book of John is all about. First of all, the book of John is one of the four Gospels, okay, and it was written by a guy named John, uh, one of the disciples, one of the the close followers of Jesus, and what that means is that he kind of knows his stuff, right? Like, he spent time walking with Jesus, and so John wrote this book to both Jews and Gentiles to all people, and he did this. We see why he did this in the book's purpose statement verse in John 20, verse 30 and 31. It says, John wrote this book to all people so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, which is awesome, right? 
And so John wrote this that people would come to learn and believe that Jesus, he's, he's a promised Messiah, right? He's the son of God. And that by believing in Jesus, people can have life. People can actually have life. And so, and not just be saved by him, yes, but it doesn't stop there, but grow in their faith. Grow in relationship with him. And so John chapter 10 is a great place where we get to see that. We get to see who Jesus is. We get to learn from him and see what he claims about himself. And so in this text, there are four points. We'll have them on the screen, I believe. Uh, Four sections that this text kind of breaks up into. And so if you're a note taker and you want to write some of these down, you know. First point is that Jesus gives his intro. He gives a little introduction to this teaching he's about to go into. Point number two is that he is the door. Jesus is the door. Point number three, Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And lastly, we're going to end with a question. The question is, what do you believe? It's a crucial question that each and every single one of us needs to ask ourselves. What do you believe? And so let's jump into it. Point one is we see that Jesus gives his intro. He gives his sample-sized teaching of who he is in the first six verses, starting in verse one. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, but by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And so Jesus, right now, he's surrounded by this huge crowd of people, some of them being Pharisees. And what we know is that in chapter 9, Jesus just healed a man who was born blind. He just healed a man born blind, which is insane, right? That, that, sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, I just kind of like read and like pass over those things. But like if you think about it, like that's, that's miraculous, right? That's incredible. And so he just, he just did something incredible, and so there's some uproar, you know, all eyes fixed on Jesus. Like, oh, oh, what's he going to say next? What's he going to do? And so he starts teaching. There's this crowd around him. He starts teaching. And he gives this six-verse figure of speech to teach these people about his kingdom and about himself. And so Jesus, a lot of the time, he uses these, these earthly metaphors, these earthly figures of speech that we can understand to describe heavenly things. And so he does this here. He starts off by talking about a sheepfold. He says, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. And so what is a sheepfold, you may ask? It's important you know, that we define these terms. And a sheepfold is a pen or it's a shelter for sheep. And so I think we have a picture up of a, a sheepfold. Uh, and sheepfolds were in a field, uh, as you see right there. That's an ancient time sheepfold. 
And sheepfolds were in a field or by a person's house, and they were rectangles or circles composed of fence or stones just stacked up that would enclose the sheep inside, right, for their protection. And so these, these sheepfolds, as you see, they didn't have a formal door, really. And so sometimes they would be guarded by a gatekeeper, right? They'd be a hired hand. But the majority of the time, the entrance would be guarded by the shepherd himself, by the shepherd himself. And so sheepfolds were there for the security and the peace and the protection of the sheep. And as many of you guys know, um, some of you have uh, been reading the Bible a ton. We humans were characterized as sheep, as sheep. And I, I don't know about you guys, but the first animal in the animal kingdom that I, I would, you know, choose to be characterized myself as, I probably would not choose sheep, you know. I think a, a lion would be pretty cool or a sea turtle would be pretty chill or something, you know, something like that. Uh, but, but the metaphor that God uses to characterize us is sheep. And it actually, if you think about it, it makes a ton of sense. It's pretty eye-opening. Because as, as you guys know, sheep, they're weak. Sheep are weak. They're feeble. They're defenseless. They don't have, you know, claws or teeth to defend themselves, you know, stand up for themselves. They're easily agitated, right? They're quite stiff-necked and stubborn, and they, they wander off and they go astray frequently, right? And Mar- Martin Luther, when he was talking about sheep at one point, he says, Sheep cannot help himself, nor find pasture for himself, nor heal himself, nor guard against wolves, but depends wholly and solely on the help of another. And so with that said, these attributes, they make us easy prey, right? They make us easy prey for the wolves, the thieves, the robbers, right? The dangers of this world, And here, the the words of Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel chapter 34, they most likely form the background of what Jesus is teaching is right here, is that about these thieves and robbers. And so if you know about Ezekiel 34, God berates these, these false shepherds in Israel at the time, these false teachers of Israel, for not caring properly for the flock, Right? In Jesus' time, you know, these people would be probably the Pharisees, right? Misleading the people, only caring for themselves. And in, in today's time, right, these people would be any any pastor or leader of a church, you know, that preaches a prosperity gospel, right? Preaches any gospel contrary to the one true gospel. Someone that doesn't preach the word. Or someone that may not even truly care for the flock that God has given them, right? Or, but only cares for themselves or for their own gain, which is tragic, right? And so these, these people, they climb over the sheepfold. They come to do mischief to the flock. They're mischievous and harmful. And so we, we sheep, we must be aware of this. We must be sober-minded. We must be watchful, Right? But, praise God, right, for the good news, some good news found in verses 2 and 3. It says, he who enters by the door of the sheepfold and doesn't climb over, that's the true shepherd of the sheep. 
The shepherd has access into the sheepfold because he is the true caretaker of that sheep, that flock. And the sheep in the pen, they hear the shepherd's voice because the shepherd calls his sheep by name. That's what it says, right? By name. Like, amen, right? Don't you love that? The shepherd calls you by name. He's not, he's not some distant and far off shepherd, right? He is relational. He's a personal God. And, and something I recently learned is that good shepherds, when they buy their flock, right, when they're, they're buying their sheep, they take each sheep and they take them by the ear and they, they give a, a significant, this mark on each ear of their sheep claiming them, right? And then they name each sheep. And so they have a special care for each and every sheep that's in their flock. And the the same goes for us and our shepherd, right? Jesus calls you by name, right? He says, son, he says, daughter, come follow me, right? You know, you name it, right? You know, Daniel, you know, get, get away from there. Come follow me, right? Jesse, over here, come follow me, right? And just as... You know, Jesus called some of his disciples, right? He says, come and follow me. I just love that. Looking at verse 4, if you want to look there with me, it says, And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And so just as God the Father, right, When before the Israelites, you know, as they were leaving Egypt, going to Sinai, so do we follow our shepherd, right? It's incredible. I I just love it. The sheep will not follow, you know, some some random person, right? And they, they should not. But they know their shepherd, and they know the one who actually cares for them, actually loves them. And so at the end of verse 5, as you guys see, Jesus stops preaching, and the people, they just don't understand. They don't get it, you know? They're so lost. And I, too, if I was probably in that crowd, you know, at that time, I probably would have raised my hand and be like, "Uh, you know, Jesus, can you, like, explain a little further, right? You know, and so Jesus then, as we see, he goes into his first I am statement of the morning that we'll see, which brings us to point two, that Jesus is the door. He's the door, as some of your translations may say, he is the gate. And so this is in verses 7 through 10, starting at verse 7. He says, Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. And so if you guys see in verse 7, verse 7 is kind of a mic drop moment for Jesus because he just said, I am. Now, at first glance, you know, like, to us, we may be like, okay, like, sure, it's cool. But in in that crowd in that day, that is monumental that Jesus just said that, right? Because the people around him, they know their Bibles, right? They know their Torah, and they see that Jesus just equated himself with God. He just said that he and the Father are one, right? Right? In the Old Testament, we see this because in Exodus 3, 13 through 15, God the Father described himself 
saying, I am who I am. It's, it's incredible. Listen to this, starting in verse 13 of Exodus 3. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, Well, what is his name? What, sh- what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. And so Jesus just equated himself with God because he is, right? And then he says that he is the door. He says, I am the door. And so what's, what's Jesus getting at when he's saying that he is the door here? And so remember that we talked about what a typical sheepfold looks like in his four, right? And so what, what shepherds would do is where the opening of that sheepfold was, where there wasn't a door, the shepherd would sit or lie down there. And they would, they would lie their body across the entryway and they would be the door. They would be the door. They would lay their body across to keep the sheep in and to keep the wolves out. And so the shepherd was by definition the door. And only through the shepherd could you get into the sheepfold. And so here, Jesus is using this, this metaphor of the sheepfold as an example and a figure of speech for the kingdom of God. That's what he's getting at. It's for the kingdom of God. Only through Jesus can you become part of the people of God. Just as John 14, 6 says, right? Like another one of Jesus' I am's. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so he is the way, and he's the only way, right? He is the only way. And Jesus says that, that those who came before him, right, those wolves, those false shepherds, as seen in Ezekiel 34, they're thieves and robbers, right? Jesus is kind of saying like, hey, if you want to get to my sheep, if you want to harm my sheep, like you got to get through me, right? And there's, you know, Jesus is awesome. And so with that said, Jesus didn't li- those, she- those sheep didn't listen to those thieves and robbers, why? You know, it's so easy to listen to the, the voices, you know, what people are saying here and there. Why are they not listening to those thieves and robbers? It's because the true sheep know the voice of the true shepherd. True sheep know their shepherd's voice. And so there's a, there's a, a story, a World War I story, that some soldiers during World War I... Um, they were trying to steal this flock of sheep from a, hill, from a hillside near Jerusalem. And so they were, they were stealing the, the flock of sheep. And the sleeping shepherd, he awoke. And he saw his sheep was being stolen. And the shepherd, he couldn't recapture them by force. And so what he did was he called out with his voice and with his distinctive call. And the sheep came back to him. Because they knew their shepherd's voice, right? And the soldiers, they tried all that they could to, 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 to keep them, to stop it, right? But they couldn't 
keep him by force, right? The, the whole flock came back to the shepherd, right? I mean, it's, it's incredible. And if you want further proof of this, this I mean, it's, it's an awesome phenomenon. Go YouTube. Do sheep only obey their master's voice? Go YouTube that. Do sheep only obey their master's voice? And so it'll be the first video that pops up. It's probably two minutes long. And it's a test experiment of all of these people. And they, they go up to this fence, and there's like a, a huge flock behind the fence, right? And there's these, all these people taking turns going up, calling out to the sheep with their own voice and with the actual shepherd's call. And the sheep, they're, they're not doing anything, right? They're, they're still eating, you know, not even like lifting their heads, like firm, like feet firmly planted, you know? And then the shepherd walks up and the shepherd starts calling his sheep to him with his voice and his distinctive call. And just one by one, you see all the sheep's heads lift up and you see them start running to the shepherd. And it's like, it's insane. Like, it's beautiful. Like, I'd be lying if I told you, like, I, I didn't cry, you know, watching the video. I was like, <laughs> I was actually like in Panera. <laughs> and um, I was like, <laughs> looking around, like, wiping tears off my face, like, looking around, like, making sure no one was looking at me, you know, crying because of a sheep video. <laughs> but um, it's beautiful, right? It's beautiful, and it's, it's something for all of us to reflect on, right? Like, that's, what, that's how I want to be. You know, I, I want to run to Jesus like that. That's the relationship with my Savior that I strive for, right? And that's how we should all strive for our Savior, right? You know, just as Simon Peter was in the boat, right, and he saw Jesus on the shore, and he realized it was Jesus. He jumped out of the boat and he started swimming to Jesus. Like that's how, that's how I want to be, right? And so I just encourage you guys to think on that, reflect on that. Do we listen to our shepherd's voice? Do we go running to Jesus? Do we strive for him and do we open up his word and hear what he has to say? In verses 9 and 10, we see that Jesus repeats himself, which shows importance, right? It shows emphasis. And he says this. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so he's telling his audience, right, that crowd's still around him. He's telling us today, us readers, that if anyone enters by and through Jesus, they will be saved. Like, that's the good news, right? Like by grace, through faith in Jesus, we can come into relationship with him. Salvation is found in the door. It's found in Jesus, Right? We're saved from the consequence of our sin. We're redeemed from our old selves. We're saved from physical death, yes, but also from spiritual death, from physical separation from us and our, our Heavenly Father. And as we see, we, we will not just be saved. Praise God for that. But we'll also have life. That's what the verse says. We'll have life and we will have it abundantly. 
we will go in and out and we will find pasture, right? Which is pretty, pretty reminiscent of Psalm 23, right? Like he, he leads us to green pastures. He leads us by still waters. He restores our soul. So he will give us life, provision, nourishment. And that's, that's what a good shepherd does. And we'll see more of what a good shepherd does in our third point. This is found in verses 11 through 18. That he is our good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Start and look at verse 11 with me. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so this is the second I am statement that we see from Jesus this morning. And he is the good shepherd, right? The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. He literally lays down his life for them. And as many of us know, this truth is referring to Jesus' death for us. A crucial part of the gospel, right? The good news. In this verse, you know, we see the act that Jesus laying down his life for us just shows how much he cares for us. Right? How much actual love that he has for us. You know, John 15, 13, right? Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. 1 John 3, 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So sometimes I have to just sit, and I just have to, you know, really like remind myself of how incredible this is. Right? Like, the gospel isn't just some far-off story, you know, that you just read and you hear about, and then you just pass over, you know? It causes you to stop and to think about it. I mean, this really happened, right? Jesus laid down his life for me, right? Like a, a depraved, a sinful, broken, prideful man. You know, the nails in his hands and feet, the spear through his side, the crown of thorns, my sin upon his shoulders. And the truth is is that he did that for you as well. He did that for all of us. He laid down his life for you. And so I don't know about you guys, but that's my shepherd, right? That's who I want to follow. But the alternate, however, the other option is talked about in verses 12 and 13. He says, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And so these hired hands, they they likely represent those religious leaders, those those false shepherds mentioned in Ezekiel 34, who never display actual care for the sheep in times of danger. And so what happens, right? The wolf snatches them, scatters them, the sheep get killed, they become food for the wild beasts. And the hired hand, the worthless shepherd, right? I mean, it's worthless. He only cares about himself. 
in his life. He only wants to save himself when things get bad. We, we must be cautious and aware of this, right? We must keep our eyes focused on the good shepherd who loves and cares for us. But on the topic of one of these hired hands, on the topic of worthless shepherds who, you know, they have no care for their sheep, I, I read a story about one recently, and so I, I picked up this book. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Uh, by W. Philip Keller. It's insane. Super, super good. Could be a good, you know, Christmas break read. Super short. Um, and what, what this story is, is that W. Philip Keller, he a um, faithful follower of Jesus, and he, he actually is a shepherd. And so he, he was a sheep rancher, and he had his own flock, you know, and he knew what being a shepherd was like. And so he took time to study and just sit down and, and study Psalm 23 and look at it from the eyes of being a shepherd, right? From his experience, right, of being a shepherd. And so during this, um, in this book, he, he, he talks about this other shepherd in his town. And it's this, this tenant sheepman uh, who ought to have never been allowed to keep sheep. And listen to what he says um, about this, this worthless tenant sheepman because it's, it's actually pretty sad. It says, The tenant sheepman on the farm next to my first ranch was the most indifferent manager I'd ever met. He was not concerned about the condition of his sheep. His lamb was neglected. He gave little or no time to his flock, letting them pretty well forage for themselves as best they could, both summer and winter. They fell prey to dogs, cougars, and rustlers. Every year, these poor creatures were forced to gnaw away at bare brown fields and impoverished pastures. Every winter, there was a shortage of nourishing hay and wholesome grain to feed the hungry ewes. Shelter to safeguard and protect the suffering sheep from storms and blizzards was scanty and inadequate. They had only polluted, muddy water to drink. There had been a lack of salt and other trace minerals needed to offset their sickly pastures. And in their thin, weak, and diseased condition, these poor sheep were a pathetic sight. In my mind's eye, I can still see them standing at the fence, huddled sadly in little knots, staring wistfully through the wires at the rich pastures on the other side. To all their distress... The heartless, selfish owner seemed utterly callous and indifferent. He simply did not care. What if his sheep did want green grass, fresh, fresh water, shade, safety, or shelter from the storms? What if they did want relief from wounds, bruises, disease, and parasites? He ignored their needs. He couldn't care less. Why should he? They were just sheep, fit only for the slaughterhouse. And so that's, a, that's tragic, right? That's a tragedy. That's not a shepherd that, that anyone should have. But Jesus knows this, and he, he repeats himself, bring us good news again. He says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life. For the sheep. So, guys, Jesus is 
He is the good shepherd. He's not one of, you know. He is the good shepherd. And he knows his sheep. He knows those who are his. Just as God the Father knows the Son, right? So the Son knows those who are his and those he's laid down his life for. He knows those who take refuge in him, refuge in his sheepfold. And he knows those who he still needs to gather to himself, right? Looking at verse 16, he says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. And so I hope that we all see the, the beauty in that verse, right? That Jesus has such a love, right? The love of our Savior that he desires and he wants more and more to draw near to him in relationship. And Ezekiel 34, 11 through 13, I mean, this, this passage is just beautiful. He says, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep, and I have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and will bring them into their own lands, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in the inhabited places of the country." And that's beautiful, right? As Ephesians 2 says, we, we were all once separated, right? Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope, right? We had no hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, it says, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, as he still has more sheep to gather to himself. And those wolves, right, mentioned in verse 12, they, they want to scatter and divide, but the shepherd wants us united and together, right? One united church, both Jews and Gentiles, all worshiping one shepherd, Jesus. And because of all this, all that he's saying in verse 17, he says, for this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And so this was Jesus' charge, right? It was his mission to come down, right? Speak of his kingdom, speak of the good news, and sacrificially lay his life down for his sheep and then take it up again, right? Defeating death, walking out of that tomb, right? That tomb is empty. It is empty. That's, and it is good news. And so Jesus concluded his teaching and this leads us to our conclusion, our last point, point four. And the, that's a question, right? The question is, what do you believe? With all that was said, what do you believe? And verses 19 through 21 say this. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He is a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? 
Others said, These are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so remember, Jesus just healed a blind man, right, in chapter 9 before this. And so the people were divided, right, as, as many times when Jesus preaches, right? There's division. So some are saying, you know, he's got a demon. He's insane. Why listen to him? And others are saying, you know, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. You know, can a, can a demon do such a miracle as that? Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so some thought Jesus was doing these things in these wonders by demonic power, but as others contested, and as we Christians know, we Bible believers know, Jesus had the Spirit with him, right? He had the Holy Spirit with him. And Jesus also, he has authority over all, right? He has all authority. As Ephesians 1, Matthew 28, Luke 10 say, he has authority over demons and he has the power to heal. And so the question the text poses is, what do you believe? What do you believe, right? That the people in that day, there was the divisions and riots and they had to wrestle with that question, right? And so our question that this text poses to us is, what do we believe? What do you believe about Jesus? And so that there may be some in here who do not know Jesus as the Lord of their life, right, as their Savior. And Jesus may not be your shepherd right now. My prayer, my prayer, my plea for you is that you just take time and you just think about Jesus, right? You take time, you go to lunch or go back to your home after this and you just take time to pray, right? And just to think. My prayer is that you see that he is the good shepherd, of your life, that he wants you, right? He searches for you and wants you in his sheepfold. And through him, through the door, that's how you can be saved. So my hope is that you believe in him as the savior of the world and the Lord of your life. And there, there are some of you in here who you've, you've been through the door, right? You've placed your faith in Jesus, and Jesus has been your shepherd for a while, some for a long time. Praise God. And my, my, the question, I, I change it for you guys, and I actually encourage you guys with a charge, an encouragement. I encourage you guys to keep following your shepherd, right? Keep following your shepherd. Going back, you know, to the beginning of the sermon, life is hard. Life is hard. You know, some of you may be in here right now and you, you may have barely made it to church this morning. And some of you may be going through a valley, right? There are valleys in life. And the Christian life is hard, right? Jesus does not promise us an easy life. He does not promise that. John sixteen thirty three says that in the world, you will have tribulation. And I have this, I brought this little little wooden carving I actually got in Israel uh, as a reminder of this. And so if you can see it, if you can't see it, it's a carving of a shepherd right here. And then there's a sheep walking by him. And there's a sheep on the shoulders of the shepherd, right? And so I have this as a reminder that sometimes, you know, I'm this sheep down here and I'm walking with the Lord, 
right? And it is, it is awesome, right? I'm, I'm praying, I'm in the word, you know, I'm striving to live for him, proclaim the good news, you know, I'm just, I'm just spending time with my savior, right? And it is good and it is awesome. And then there are other times, right, where I just, I mean, I'm lost, right? I'm wandering away. I'm, I'm hurting, right? And what Jesus does is when he sees that, you know, he picks me up and he puts me on his shoulders and he carries me, right? He carries me. He picks us up and I'm fully dependent on him always. And the same is true for all of us. It's true for all of us, right? You see, in this world, we will have tribulation, but the verse continues, right? Says that he has overcome the world. In Jesus, we can have peace. We can have peace. We can find rest in him and we can find life in him. In the mountaintops of our lives, right, when everything is going great, and even in the valleys, we can have peace and rest in Jesus. Because Jesus is the door to life and he is the shepherd of your life. Let's pray.